What is happening, everyone? It is another fight week, a little later in the week than we normally do it, but along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. Will, how are you today, my friend? And, uh, I'm all right. Um, got some devastating news that one of my uh, friends and former teammates uh, passed away uh, yesterday, so, um, a little bit of a heavy heart today, but, uh, if, uh, if he were here now, he would be telling me, like, man, it's all good. Uh, go do the show. And in honor of him, have as much energy as you can possibly have. But, you know, it's still um, very, very tough today. Yeah, sure. It was very, very sudden. It's uh, it's one of those things that even when you can hear that person's voice say something like that, it doesn't take away the the heavy heartedness that you carry, even if you're you're bringing the energy, right? You're, you're still going to feel the loss and and feel uh, that absence, I guess, if you will. But, uh, man, that sucks. My my. Uh, my my condolences to you and and um, his family and and everybody that uh, is connected to him. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I know this is an MMA show, but uh, this guy was a tremendous basketball player. Man, he would do stuff on the court, and I would just be kind of amazed. He was like uh, Kyrie Irving and Kyle Lowry's body. If if you can get that image, like there was nothing, <laughs> there, there wasn't a shot that he couldn't make. Uh, there wasn't a move he couldn't make, and he had so many counter moves that like if you if you beat him on the first move and then you you beat you beat the counter he had a counter to the counter to the counter so you're just like on edge on your toes with everything he did and he would make you look foolish a lot and his shot making was was tough just like Kyrie either hand uh his shot was incredible I mean there wasn't anything that he couldn't do he was about five eleven, six foot just like Kyle Lowry but he had the skill set of a Kyrie Irving man he was uh played at a high level, played overseas, uh, played, you know, college basketball as well. So uh, I've had battles against him, played with him. Um, but, yeah, he will be missed. It was something that shocked. You know, I play in a lot of men's leagues around the city, so it was something that shocked a, a lot of us around here. So uh, he'll be missed. And, uh, you know, it was good to, you know, kind of talk about him a little bit as we start the show. Very nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm Again, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I guess that's, given the comparison, better Kyrie's game than Kyrie's personality, right? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Sorry, I'm just trying to make a joke and make you make you laugh yeah. a little bit, you know, out of uh, obviously a very serious thing. Yeah. But yeah, 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 for sure. Goodness, yeah. Kyrie, his personality. Jeez. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> tough, though. That is definitely tough. Man, we uh, this time next week, we will be talking UFC 281, a monster card. I, I cannot wait to really get the ball rolling for this one. We obviously have a fight card to talk about from last Saturday. Um I don't know what's in the water, Will, but what is happening with all of these main event injuries that we've had the last few months? Yeah, man, it's tough. I mean, and, and these have been like solid main events that we're really looking forward to. And it kind of takes away from the main events that we get because, you know, those are supposed to be co-main events or whatever. But when they're moved up to main events, you're like, ah, eh, compared to what we were going to get, this is a little bit of a letdown. But it's it's tough um, to see, you know. A lot of these matchups, because what this this matchup was supposed to be uh, Bryce Mitchell and uh, Evloev, right? So, I mean, imagine if we were coming on here talking about that fight. Um, we we're, we still got a pretty nice main event to come on Saturday, but I mean, compared to two undefeated young prospects uh, trying to get in uh, to title contention in the featherweight division, um, and the and then the skill sets that those two fighters possessed, I mean, man, we were we're missing out on a good one this weekend. Yeah. Um, this weekend, Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Limosh is your main event, which we will uh, we will make our picks for that. Um, there was some roster movement in the UFC, which we need to hit. And again, going over uh, last weekend's card that uh, obviously ended in a, a very disappointing way. Um, 
Did you see the the roster cuts today? Today, no, I didn't. All right, so twelve UFC fighters are now free agents and no longer on the UFC roster. Beginning with Askar Askarov, who was uh, supposed to be fighting Brandon Roy wow. Vall recently and one of the uh, main contenders in the flyweight division. Um, this is all per MMA junkie. Your boy, damn it, Misha Serkinov, no longer on the UFC roster. <laughs> uh, Louis Kosey, uh, who was um, one of the Kosey brothers. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but the Kosey brothers both um, winning on, on Dana White's contender series and, and getting into the UFC. Uh, Christoph Jotko, who we uh, we just saw wow. fight, um, I think, a wow. couple of weeks ago. Um, Darian Weeks, uh, Nick Maximov. Um, some of the more notable names, but yeah, 12 fighters no longer on the UFC roster. Yeah. You know, uh, this is one of the things that happens when you have such a deep roster that's growing, you know, with this contender series and, um, less of the matter with the uh, ultimate fighter, but you know, this roster is, is growing, it's evolving. And, you know, if, if you're one of those fighters who has potential, but you're, you know, you're expendable. You're going to be let go at some point. And, you know, some of the fighters like Misha Serkinov, um, you know, he was a, once a light heavyweight contender, but, you know, try, he dropped down to middleweight. And I think since then he just hasn't, you know, he hasn't been right ever since. I don't think he's got a win really um, since he dropped to middleweight. You know, Nick Maximov is a young guy who uh, is from the Nick Diaz army, but he uh, never really found his footing in the UFC. Uh, Askar Askarov, I'm very surprised at that because he was my pick for <laughs> to be the flyweight champion at the end of the year, yeah. uh, and now he's no longer uh, in the UFC, which is uh, which is crazy. Um, with with him, it's it's very it's kind of shocking that he uh, got let go. Um, you wonder if it's just something personal that he's had to deal with, and you know maybe he'll be back at some point because I think he's one of those fighters that uh, that can be a future champion, and if he goes to another promotion. I mean, I think it'll be slight work for him to become a champion. Uh, Christoph Jocko, he's a he was a very talented middleweight. He was one of those guys who was a tough out with for whoever fought, uh, whoever he fought. You know, he just fought Brendan Allen and got finished. But uh, we looked at that fight as one of the better fights uh, on that card uh, that week. So um, very talented, and he'll find somewhere else to go. I mean, he's one of those guys that uh, a lot of these promotions will be uh, itching to get. So. Uh, shocking that so many fighters got uh, cut, but you know that's that's what happens. That's the name of the game sometimes. Yeah, Jodko had won five of his last seven with wins over uh, Mearshart, Misha, Eric Anders. Um, his losses were obviously to Brendan Allen, which uh, just happened what like three weeks ago, and then uh, and Sean Strickland, which I mean Sean Strickland was on a pretty incredible run at that point as well. But uh, yeah, that one was probably the most surprising because apparently Askar Askarov asked out of his uh ufc contract so he 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 wanted to be released so i don't know how much of that was um the ufc maybe feeling like they didn't have anywhere to go with him or just saying you know what you want out we'll uh we will oblige but uh yeah the askar askarov for a guy that that i absolutely feel like is on the short list for contenders uh in a ufc division uh being let go is is very surprising uh in terms of what happened last saturday night as i mentioned super disappointing finale um, especially when you consider what's happened in some main events over the last few months, Will. This is, what, the third main event that has ended prematurely because of an injury. We had Brian Ortega going down with an injury. We had Alexander Rockich going down with an injury. And now we have Calvin Cater going down with an injury, all uh, getting injured prematurely in, in big fights that we feel like we're, we're just kind of starting to settle in. Yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't forget about uh, Anthony Smith as well. Um, so... 
But just in the featherweight division alone, like you mentioned earlier, um, uh, Ortega and Yair, these are fights. Yair, Ortega, and then Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater. These are fights with title implications. Like if you go out there and you make a huge statement, you're the, you're the next guy in, in line for the featherweight title shot. And for uh, Yair and Ortega to end like that, and then for uh, Cater and Allen to end like that, you know, it just it still leaves this division kind of in in uh up in the air you know in terms of who's the next guy and then you got three guys who are just you know chopping at the bit like who what's next you know i deserve it i deserve it i deserve it um but yeah in terms of the fight i mean uh it was just getting started just getting going you know you can you can take a little bit from the first round uh but you know there's four rounds left you don't know how much of that was a filling out process right uh, Arnold Allen looked outstanding. Uh, he looked like he didn't, it didn't look like the moment was too big for him. But you you don't know like how that would have translated as the fight wore on. Um, it did look like Calvin Cater was struggling a little bit um, with uh, Arnold Allen's accuracy with the different looks he was giving him. Um, Allen looked sharp uh, from the jump. I'll say that Calvin Cater just it it looked like he was kind of feeling the process out. But he I think he knew we, I got five rounds to do this. Um, and and of course like when you saw him do the jumping. You know, whatever he tried to do, it was very uncharacteristic. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Calvin Cater do something like that. And then for him to land the way he did, I mean, I think you could you could tell almost instantly like that was a, a terrible yeah. um, injury and that uh, that was just going to compromise him the whole fight. And uh, Arnold Allen just, you know, did what he had to do. Uh, he, he was like, I'm going to test out this leg and see what it can take. And it, it was very reminiscent of uh, Tyron Woodley and Carlos Condit. Um, Con- or, uh, Woodley. Um, kicked one leg and the other leg just completely gave out. And that's what we saw with Allen and, and Cater. <clears throat> and Cater. So, uh, I mean, props to Arnold Allen. He looked good. He won the first round, ended up finishing the fight, but it just sucks that the story of the fight is the injury. Yeah, absolutely. Won the first round to your point. I think he looked sharp, looked terrific. Um, looked like he was in, in the type of, of form to, you know, maybe win that fight. Who knows what would have transpired, over the course of 25 minutes, or, you know, maybe Arnold Allen gets a finish immediately to begin the second round if there's no injury. Like, who knows what happens? What sucks is, A, we were robbed of what what could have been a really fun fight, right? Because I, I think stylistically, there's no way that was going to be boring for as long as it lasted. Uh, the first round wasn't boring. That was going to be a really fun fight. We were robbed of that. But B, you're also robbed of now Calvin Cater being a relevant contender in featherweight, right? Until he ultimately is able to recover and then bounce back. Uh, so that's another part of this that's terrible. And then C, Arnold Allen, who, you know, has has also not been a super active guy, goes through his fight camp and he comes out the winner. Yeah, but he kind of, he comes out not getting the shine of having, you know, beat Calvin Cater on, on in just, you know, pure fight form as opposed to being, you know, injury related. So it, it sucks all the way around. Um, I like Arnold Allen a lot. Seems like a really good dude. Um, I don't know if you saw any of his post-fight interview um, on the post-show or not, but uh, uh, he, he had me laughing a couple times. Just just kind of an, as normal a guy, I think, as there probably is in this sport uh, in terms of, of just talking and, and, you know, they're asking him, what do you like to do? And he's like, nothing. Like, he's just just super casual dude. And uh, here he is on the doorstep maybe of a featherweight title shot. I'm curious to see what they do next with this division because we know Volk is going up to 155 to fight Islam. Uh, clearly, without there being a, a a winner in this fight in the sort of way that would maybe propel somebody into a championship fight, there's work to be done for somebody. The question is, who are the somebodies that ultimately maybe get that shot against each other in a, a number one contender match? Because 
I think Yair and Arnold Allen are both in the same spot where they kind of were, were on the doorstep having big fights to maybe capitalize on. Both guys win fights, but the other guy is injured prematurely. And then you have the Josh Emmett situation, which I think is also interesting because a lot of people felt like Calvin Cater beat Josh Emmett in that fight, despite the decision going to Josh Emmett. So I think you kind of have this three-man race in the featherweight division where only two of those guys are going to get opportunities against each other, you would assume, if that's the way they decide to play it out. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation, man. Um, I think all three options are, are good options, but um, I think like you have to ask yourself who has the momentum, uh, who has the most momentum. I think you make you know great points with Josh Josh Emmett uh, beat Calvin Cater, but that was a fight where a lot of people thought Calvin Cater won. Of course, Yair and, and Arnold Allen won their fights, but they were uh, but they ended with injuries. So you know what kind of happens with that? So. Um, I think you kind of look towards the stylistic matchup and, uh, with Volkanovski and then like what would um, what would sell uh, with Volk going up to with Volk going up to uh, lightweight to, to face Islam. I think there has to be another fight between two of those three guys. Um, and I think one of them is going to either be royally screwed or um, promised something, you know, in the in the future. I don't really know how the UFC would uh, would do this, but. For me, um, I think Arnold Allen, um, with the way you 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 had one round, right? You had one round where he looked really good, uh, and then he finished the fight in the second round. And uh, you know, Yair and Ortega was kind of was kind of weird. I mean, they were going back and forth, and then you know it was on the ground, and you know that was that one was just really weird. And then of course, Cater and Emmett. So if it were me, I would put Arnold Allen in that fight. I think you you ha- you have. Uh, the England aspect, you know, he could be the co-main event to uh, Leon and uh, and Usman. You could put the in, the interim title on the line, and then just the the atmosphere, the fan base, the, you know, everyone that would be behind Otto Allen in England. I think that would give you more of a reason to to make this uh, title fight in England with Otto Allen there against either Emmett or Yair. Um, maybe maybe it's going to come down to who says yes when the opportunity comes. I mean, I, I think there's just so many factors that go into it. But if it were me, um, I would put Arnold Allen in an interim title fight against either Yair or Emmett, whoever wants it, uh, especially since uh, Volkanovski is going up. I, I like Arnold Allen versus Yair. In, I don't love the interim thing. Like We've talked about this so many times. Like To me... Like, they could do a heavyweight interim at this point if Francis Ngannou were not close to being back, right? Because it's, it's been almost a year now. But, I like, not enough time has passed for me to where I feel like an interim title fight is, is due. That's just my perspective on it. But, uh, you know, number one contender fight, whatever you want to do. To me, what I think is most stylistically pleasing, um, probably the most fun, and I, I think a fight that um, probably sells the best, Yair and Arnold Allen, I think would be a great number one contender fight. Um and you know what? Let's give Josh Emmett a big fight, and maybe if he wins that, he gets next. Let's go, let's go. Yair Rodriguez, Arnold Allen. The winner of that gets Volk after he fights Islam, and maybe you can put that on the same card, right? Put those two guys on the same card as Volk, and uh, you get your number one contender. And then maybe Volk is a a champ, champ, and and we'll see what happens. And then let's go with Josh Emmett, Max Holloway, right? Like, okay, you're not going to get the number one contender fight, but you're going to get a blockbuster fight. Uh, that is, you know, Max sells. Max is going to bring a lot of eyes, and there's no question that if you beat Max, you're next, right? Yeah, I mean, 
that's what it's going to have to be. I think for the person who's not in the number one contender fight, that that person's going to have to fight a Max Holloway. But I only question like when we're going to see Max again because yeah. Max has no like path to the championship. I mean, he just lost to Volk three times in a row. I mean, even if he were to beat any of these three guys, are we really going to put Max back in there against Volkanovski for a fourth time? I mean, at this point, we know clearly who the better guy is. Uh, so I think it's time to see some new blood. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I would put Max in there with whoever uh, the number one can, whoever doesn't get that number one contender match. But, you know, even if Max isn't able <clears throat> to make to, to fight or if he doesn't want that fight, I kind of like the idea of um, the winner of Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Teporia jumping into uh, that, that's the fight, right? That was yeah. made for December. Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of, of the winner that of that to go um, to fight the whoever is not um, in that no more contender fight. I know it's going to be really, really tough to get that guy to fight down in the rankings and everything, but um, somebody's going to get royally screwed. I mean, we talked about this with the lightweight title um, last last year or, or whenever it was with, with uh, Oliveira and Chandler and Gaethje. Like, they were all in this gray area where you know we didn't know what was going to happen somebody was going to get screwed somebody's going to have to somebody's going to have to take another fighter or they're just going to have to wait um i think just like with the lightweight title how Oliveira and chandler said yes when the opportunity presented itself it's going to be whichever two guys are ready and are willing to take the fight whenever the ufc asks yeah i'll tell you another scenario that i wouldn't mind now that you bring up the max situation and maybe max isn't ready to jump back in not knowing what his path is going to be how about you just do two fights, and it's neither one of them is necessarily a number one contender fight, but more a scenario of all of you guys have the possibility of fighting for the belt, and you know maybe the most impressive winner ultimately gets that. But let's throw Evloev, who's undefeated, into that four-man group. Pair it however you want to pair it with Emmett, Yair, Arnold Allen, and then Evloev. I think all those matchups work, right? There's not a bad matchup in terms of, of stylistic... Um, stylistically pleasing. Uh, there's not a bad matchup across the board. Pair it however you want, and at the end of the night, we'll just see who is the most impressive, and that person is is getting Volk next. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think whoever the fourth guy is, um, it could be any of those three guys. All those three guys are undefeated. Uh, speaking of Mitt, Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Teporia, and Evloev, yeah. who just whoever is available and, and able to to jump into that spot. I mean, I think it's going to take a scenario like that where. Uh, maybe you do have two number one contender matches, and whoever looks the most impressive gets the title shot. But like when you, if you do something like that, like with the uh, with one thirty five, we've we've had we saw Cheeto win, we saw Marab win, we saw O'Malley win. But who's the number one contender? Then you got Cejudo, who's like waiting in the wings. I think we're, we might have a similar situation. So I mean, I, I hope that if it were those two matchups, that we would get a defend a definitive number one contender. Yeah, you'd hope so. Uh, but. But I mean, because those matchups are they're so close. I mean, it's going to be hard to look good. But I think stylistically, um, we're going to see we would see some really fun matchups. Well, here's the other thing: Volk has been asking for somebody to impress him. So I mean, maybe you just you let Volk pick out of the two winners. Like who impressed you the most? That's who you go with, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of what Volk was looking to do whenever these matchups were made right. originally, like Yair and Ortega, um, uh, Cater and Allen. Like you, like he would tweet, like I'm, I got my eyes on this one. I'm looking for someone to make a statement. But of course, in both those fights, they did unceremoniously, so uh, it sucks. But I mean, you know, Volk wants to be active, and the only reason I respect this, like the only reason he's going up, is because this division hasn't produced another number one contender. 
So he wants to go up and, and attempt to be great. But um, if he were able, if there was a guy who stood out, he would fight that guy. Uh, definitely respect that. But yep. I, I respect him going up and, and daring to be great at the same time while this division fig- figures itself out. Yeah. And you admit you mentioned Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Taporia. By the way, that I cannot wait for that fight. That is going to be an awesome matchup. God willing, it happens, right? Like, I hope this one doesn't fall apart uh, before UFC 282. But what an awesome matchup. Two undefeated guys and two guys that I think have absolutely... Uh, number one contender type ceiling. I mean, either one of those guys I think could come out of that cluster of fighters that we've been talking about for the last few minutes. And, and ultimately, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if either one of those two, Bryce Mitchell or Ilya Taporia ultimately came out of whatever that, that, you know, if you want to call it a grand prix of sorts, um, wouldn't shock me if either one of those two guys was the guy. Yeah. Because I, I think in that fight, um, we, we're going to see an impressive performance. I think both these guys are trying to, ma- are to are trying to make a statement, trying to prove a point. There's a little bit of bad blood, a little bit of back and forth. So both guys are going to want to go out there and make a statement, especially with this division kind of I'm not going to say it's wide open, but I mean, you could do you could jump up possibly if you have a uh, an impressive enough of a performance. So, uh it's it's going to be a great matchup. I mean, after seeing what Taporia did to Jai Herbert, after seeing what, how Bryce Mitchell has ran through this division, I mean, both guys undefeated. I mean, it, it's going to be an outstanding fight. Stylistically, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I think I saw when I looked at the UFC 282 fight card on Tapology that that is the opener on the card. Like the Man, first that, fight that of card. the prelims. On the, of the pre oh man, uh, if, I mean wherever that fight is, I mean I'm gonna be glued. That that fight is, is too good. That's got to be a main card fight. I mean, I've I've seen um, a lot of the fights in that card. That's easily top four at least. I mean oh. that fight's got to be on the main card. Oh, you know what? They they've updated it. I just went back to okay, it. That, they've updated it. It is up. now the 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 first fight on the main card. When okay, I, when I had yeah, it man. when I was looking at it, <laughs> I think it was Tuesday Tuesday morning. Um getting ready for the the pod Tuesday um it was the it was listed as the first fight of the night and I was like holy cow like that's got to be as good as any first fight to begin a UFC card ever right right yeah uh i mean there's some crazy fights on that on yeah. that card i mean I mean, I don't want to get into the the fight the that card of course i mean we're that's off subject but there's so many bangers on that oh, card that card's I mean, loaded that card is just filthy, but yeah, Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Taporia definitely stands out among the pack of, of bangers of fights. I, I can't wait for that one. Well, originally, um, I think Darren Till and Drickus Duplessis were on the prelims. That's now listed on the main card. Uh, Patty Pimblett and Jared Gordon was on the prelims. That's now listed on the main card. And then Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Taporia was on the prelims. That's now listed on the main card. Um, Ponzinibbio Lawler was on the main card. Now that's the feature prelim. And I'm not sure what the, I think maybe, no, Rosenstrike Dawkus was on the prelims before. I can't remember what they took. Oh, Gustafson OSP they had listed on the main card, and that now rightfully is in oh. the prelims. <laughs> right, rightfully is on the prelims, yeah. absolutely. Um, big names from back in the day, two guys that John Jones had, had beaten previously. But uh, yeah, at this point in their careers, I mean, we we saw OSP's last main card fight, and it was uh, a stinker to say the least. And then uh, Gustafson, yeah. uh, his, I mean, he hasn't looked good in years. So yeah, rightfully so, should be on the prelims. 
Well, anyway, the featherweight division is uh, there's there's a lot to be gained in the next few fights within the the I, I was about to say the top ten. I mean, really within the rankings, right? Anybody with a number next to their name, I think, has a big opportunity to uh, to make a statement. So, uh, featherweight division continues to be a lot of fun, and and uh, I guess I guess you just uh, wait till Ortega and Cater are both healthy at the same time and make that match because I think we've been calling for that one for like two years, right? Yeah, I mean, both guys are coming off injuries. I think, you know, Cater at this point, um, if he's got a torn ACL, he's going to be out for a year. Um, I think, you know, Ortega is one of those guys who's got a high ranking, so a lot of these younger guys are going to be calling them out. Uh, you still got the Korean Zombie uh, who's holding on to a spot looking for one last fight. Um, then you got Max at number one. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of young guys who are trying to get up to those spots, who are, and there's guys who have been around for a while who's kind of holding on to those spots. Um they're going to have to put those spots on the line, man, because, I mean, you got Teporia and Bryce Mitchell and Evloev. I think all of those guys, I mean, maybe Bryce Mitchell's in the top 10, but I think Teporia and Evloev are, are under the top 10, right? They're like 11 through 15, right? Uh, let's see. Evloev is 10 and Teporia is 14. Yeah, so like, yeah. look at that. <laughs> I mean, two two guys who we who we were just talking about being in the title picture yeah. with another win, they're respectively tenth and fourteenth. Like, come on now, uh, Bryce Mitchell. What is he? He's nine. I know he's top ten. He's nine. So yeah. he's nine. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, but that's the thing. Ma- Max is one. He's he's obviously yeah. not in the title picture after the trilogy, and we don't know what his future looks like. And then two of the top five are injured right now with Ortega and Cater. And then you have the three that we're talking about kind of as the front runners in Yair, um, Josh Emmett, and Arnold Allen. So that already takes you to the top six, but only three of the top six would be in contention presently. Seven is Korean Zombie. He's not a title contender, um, and who knows how long he's going to be around. And then you've got Giga, and then, yeah, then it's like that row of killers where it's Bryce Mitchell, Evloev, Sadiq Youssef, and then Ilya Tapuri all the way down to 14. So it's a fun division, though. Loaded, man. Absolutely loaded. What is what's? Didn't Giga has a fight book, doesn't he? Uh, he was supposed to fight Sadiq Youssef, uh, oh, but right. he that's pulled right. out last minute, and then he fought shameless Don Sheamus right. and beat him in thirty seconds. <laughs> Giga's situation isn't like a a long term deal, is it? I don't believe so. Okay. I just think it was just something that he just had to pull out. It, it might have actually been like visa issues or something, okay. but I know it wasn't something that was. Uh, overly serious okay fair enough uh, but another guy that i think is uh i mean it, it doesn't take him long to get back on track either uh, despite you know that terrible loss to calvin cater um all right uh moving on on this fight card co-main event uh max griffin over tim means um this was a split decision which I, I i don't remember who tweeted it but uh somebody tweeted tim means doesn't think this should have been a split decision because as you saw his face when they read the scorecard that was in his favor, he didn't agree with it. Uh, but uh, this was a, a very nice performance for Max Payne Griffin. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I think you could give Tim Means one round, but there is no way he won multiple rounds. Uh, uh, Max Griffin was able to control him. He was he dropped him a couple times. Uh, this was a very good performance from Max Griffin, man. Um, I'm excited to see what's next for him. He seems to be putting it together a little bit, and he's winning the fights that he should win. Um this fight with uh, with Tim Means, I, I think I, I expected this to be more of a brawl, but it kind of turned into more of a technical fight. And, and with, it, with it being a technical fight, that favors uh, Max Griffin all day, and I think we saw that on uh, last Saturday. Yeah. 
Uh, we had heavyweights Waldo Cortez Acosta and Jared Vandera. This one went as we expected. Um, I, I didn't necessarily expect that it was going to go the full 15 minutes, but we had a unanimous decision in favor of Waldo. Yeah, you know, I kind of think Waldo uh, underestimated Jared Vandera uh, in the first round. I definitely expected that Jared Vandera would be a tough out, but I think Waldo thought he was going to knock him out in the first round. So, But when he realized that this was going to be a tough scrap, I think he uh, definitely started to take it serious, and we uh, saw more of a uh, more of an aggressive approach, uh, a serious approach, and uh, he was able to, like, I, th- I feel like Jerry Vandera hit him a few times in the first round, and he got upset, and uh, he didn't, you know, fight outside of himself. He was just like, okay, let me get going. And then uh, he ended up kind of cruising to a win, but I think that first round kind of yeah. woke him up. Uh, I thought that he just real to your point overlooked him and by the time i think he started taking him seriously i think jared vandera had done enough damage to the leg with all those leg kicks that uh maybe he just didn't have enough there to 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 bring the fight the way that he wanted to to get a finish but um he he absolutely deserved the win and uh and got it now eight and oh um treshawn gore and josh fremd we were both on the josh fremd side of the picks uh this was Treshawn Gore showing another element, right? Showing a, a more well-rounded game, which is a big shock. Uh, I didn't expect that necessarily. And that was one of the reasons why I, I liked Josh Fremd here. Uh, good to see that Treshawn Gore is uh, opening the door in terms of uh, looking for other avenues and making his game a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, this it was it was something that we needed to see before we you know put him back where we had him when he won the Ultimate Fighter. We saw the potential. We saw the power. Um, but his first couple fights in the UFC, uh, we saw a guy who wasn't active. If uh, if you survived the early onslaught, he didn't really have much else to give you. Um, and in in this fight, uh, he didn't even really try to strike with Josh Fremd. I think Josh Fremd is a guy who's tall, uh, who had a who had the the length and the uh, and the size over Gore. So he knew he had to get in close, take this to the ground, and he did that immediately. And then that 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 choke. I mean, I feel like he squeezed with the with everything that was inside of him. Um, Josh from you could tell he panicked from <laughs> from from the jump, uh, but Trey Gore was able to finish it and uh, put him to sleep. Um, it, it was definitely something we needed to, we needed to see from Trey Gore. Um, now he's adding layers to his game, uh, so I think he could uh, potentially do something. So we'll see what's next for him. The opening fight on the main card was uh, a really fun one: Khalil Roundtree and Dustin Jacoby. I thought this was a really entertaining fight. I scored it for Dustin Jacoby. Will I don't know what your scorecard looked like. Um, I feel like there were a lot of, of differing opinions on Twitter as I immediately jumped on to see what the collective thought was at the end of this one. But this one goes to Khalil Roundtree. Yeah, this is another one of those fights, man, where it seemed like um, damage was scored higher than activity because uh, th- that's definitely what this fight was. Dustin, Dustin Jacoby was clearly the more uh, active fighter. Uh, he was landing leg kicks, body kicks, uh, punches to the head. Uh, he was the arsenal of strikes that Dustin Jacoby was throwing. I mean, everything was, but he was just kind of touching him, while Khalil was trying to kill him with everything he was throwing. I mean, you could see when he was swinging and missing, like he was, those were haymakers that he was throwing. But when he when he landed, it had an effect on Dustin Jacoby. At the end of the fight, whose face was beat up, right? Um, For sure. Even though it looked like, um, even though the numbers would tell you that Dustin Jacoby clearly had the advantage uh, in terms of the significant strikes and the damage. Uh, on the face and everything, uh, Khalil Roundtree probably did land the most devastating strikes of the round. I mean, it, I go back to Corey Sandhagen and TJ Dillashaw. I mean, if if these judges that judged Khalil Roundtree and Dustin Jacoby, that judged Sean O'Malley and Peter Yan, if they would have judged that Sandhagen Dillashaw fight 
Sanhagen probably would have won five rounds to zero. So um, I think damage is becoming more of a, um, of a factor than it has been in, in the past. And I think maybe to too much of a degree, uh, I gave it to Dustin Jacoby. Um, but um, yeah. I understand why they would give it to Khalil Roundtree. But, you know, I kind of favored uh, in this particular matchup. I kind of favored the activity over the damage. Yeah, I, like I, I have been very vocal about wanting damage to count for more than it has in the past. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciated that that it is being accounted for. I didn't feel like the damage to me outweighed the, you know, like the, the volume to me outweighed the damage here because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like touches. Like he was he was still getting good contact. He wasn't impacting Khalil Roundtree as much as Khalil Roundtree was impacting him. But th- these weren't like scoring strikes. These were still good strikes. Um, and or at least that was my perception. Uh, but I, I do just in general appreciate that there is a, a concerted effort to account for damage as opposed to to just the number of times that somebody hits you. I mean, we had this conversation like two years ago, you know, just a hypothetical, like say somebody lands 100, you know, touches basically, but there's one shot coming the other way and it puts somebody on the rear end, right? Like how do you judge that round? Um, if, if you get touched 100 times, but it literally does nothing to you, um, you know, it's that that's a tough one. Yeah, um definitely a tough one. Um I think that uh and where do you even go with this one? Uh, my point is it's it's really difficult, I think, to to weigh like how much the volume like there's different levels of volume, right? There's volume where you feel like the strikes could have an impact versus volume where you you feel like they're not having any whatsoever, right? Like it's not going to like this guy could put his gloves down and those same shots aren't going to hurt him. Yeah, I guess you know, that's the I, way I, I kind of look at it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you, especially in in this particular fight. I think Roundtree was was landing the the, the harder shots and everything, but uh, Jacoby's volume, uh, he was the way he was touching them up. I feel like that was the most significant thing. Uh, that I remember from the from those rounds. I right. mean, I know Khalil hit him with some with some damaging shots. And uh, in, in the third round, which was the round that I gave um, Khalil, he landed a strike that uh, that rocked him. And I thought that yeah. that was that outweighed the um, the activity from Dustin Jacoby. But um, the first two rounds, I thought it was clearly Dustin Jacoby's volume over Khalil Roundtree's uh, power. Um, I I I definitely give Khalil credit for lasting 15 minutes in a in a technical fight like that um that's something that i probably wouldn't have gave him a uh, much of a chance to do before i think khalil is evolving uh he he was fatigued in the third round but he's but that was his best round so i think he's uh evolving um yeah props to him and he looked outstanding i mean that fight against um carl roberson i think on fight day he might have weighed 280 pounds that dude looked thick but um um, against Jacoby, he looked a lot more ripped and uh, in shape. But um, yeah, props to props to Khalil, man. Um, I mean, even though I don't agree, agree fully with the decision, uh, I think that was a, a win he uh, he earned. Yeah. Um, that was a very grueling fight. Uh, both guys deserved to win. Neither guy uh, deserved to lose. So props to both guys. The good thing is, it wasn't a decision that I agreed with. I scored it the other way, but it wasn't a robbery either, right? Like. Exactly. Like to say that Khalil Roundtree just in no way could have won that fight is is uh, would be foolish. So at least it wasn't a robbery, but it was a fun fight and a very entertaining fight. Absolutely. Um, before we move on and make our picks for Saturday's card, 
I do want to mention Roman Delidze and Phil Haas, the feature prelim. This was a very impressive win for Roman Delidze. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I was all over Phil Haas. I thought this was going to be a showcase fight for him. Uh, but yeah, Roman Delidze showed the whole arsenal, man. And on the, on the ground, and he had him in that leg lock. You saw the knee pop uh, towards the end there, and Phil Haas felt it immediately. Uh, he couldn't hide his pain. Uh, uh, he got up uh, on wobbly legs. Delice, uh tried to give him a chance. I think he thought the ref was going to stop it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, props to Roman to, to follow up with that and to get the knockout. The knockout was was pretty vicious as well. Yeah. Um, props to Delice, man. That was a big-time win. It, you know, and it wasn't one of those things where it was a, like an accidental – you know, like Calvin Cater, like Roman Delite was the was the reason why this why his knee popped and uh, he ended up getting the getting the knockout. So big win, big time win for Roman Delite. All right, Saturday night it's the or Saturday afternoon I believe. Right, this is a, I think this is like a three central, uh, main card start time if I'm not mistaken, uh, which I'm I not so. I'm not crazy about. Uh, that means <laughs> I'll probably have to go back and rewatch a lot of this as opposed to being able to consume the majority of it live. But all that said, it is Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Limosh in the main event of the women's strawweight division. This is a five fight main card. Before we make our picks though, your girl Miranda Maverick is on the prelims here. Yeah. Uh, very excited to see her back, man. Uh, she, um, she's got Shannon young and this is a, this is a fight where uh, I definitely think, you know, she's she fought her once before and she finished her. You know, I think this is another one of those fights where they're trying to get her back on track in a favorable matchup. You know, she lost to Macy Barber. She lost to Aaron Blanchfield. So I'm excited to see her kind of showcase her talent and get a win here. This is a a, a, a big opportunity for her to get back on track. All right. The main card starts in the lightweight division. It is undefeated Olympic medalist wrestler Mark Madsen versus Grant Dawson, oddshark.com has Grant Dawson as the minus 230 favorite, plus 180 for the undefeated underdog. Yeah, man, uh, this this one's pretty uh, interesting. You know, um, Marco Madsen in his in his last couple fights, you know, he fought Clay Guida in a, in a close fight. Uh, that fight could have went either way. Uh, and then he fought Vince Pichel in, in a fight where he kind of, you know, clearly, clearly won that one. Um, but I think he's. Uh, going up against a Grant Dawson who can kind of, I'm not going to say he can match him in the grappling, but this is a, in, in terms of MMA grappling, this is the best guy that he's fought for sure. Um, so you kind of wonder um, if this gets to the ground, um, will Mark Madsen be able to keep him down? Uh, will he be able to uh, avoid the submissions? Um, or does the wrestling cancel out and he's forced to strike? If that's the case, I definitely favor Grant Dawson. So um, I think this matchup um I don't really know how that's how it's going to go. I'm very curious to see, but uh, I kind of favor Greg Nelson a little bit, even though uh, Marco Madsen's wrestling is is top tier. I think um, and when it, when it comes to MMA grappling, you know the Olympic level wrestling doesn't yeah. always work. Like like ask um, Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Johnson, ask John Jones and, and DC, right? So. Um, I think I'm not going to say this is one of those cases, but I think Grant Dawson is as good of an MMA grappler that Marco Madsen ha has seen. So my picks gonna go with Grant Dawson. I, I, Madsen is obviously a great, great wrestler. Um, MMA wrestling and grappling is different because you're you're talking about other elements being involved, right? Like it wouldn't shock me at all if on the mat Grant Dawson is the more effective grappler in this matchup, uh, despite obviously not being the 
the more credentialed quote unquote wrestler. Um, I think Grant Dawson's really good there. I think he's clearly by a mile the more well-rounded guy, right? Like he's definitely going to win standing up. Uh, I, I would assume he's he's definitely going to have a significant ad- advantage in all of the clinch situations. And then on the ground, like I said, it wouldn't shock me at all if he looks better on the ground. Um, you know, the thing about Madsen that stood out to me is he's more of a control guy, right? Like if he gets you down, he's going to control you, but he's not dealing out damage. And maybe this goes back to the conversation we just had about how fights are being scored. And there's a lot more emphasis on the damage you're doing as opposed to just controlling somebody. Um, so I, you know, I could see Mark Madsen having a hard time scoring if he is just controlling, but, um, you know, Grant Dawson being able to, to punch him in the face while they're grappling, I think, um, maybe levels the playing field in terms of the grappling, or in my opinion, maybe gives Grant Dawson the edge, uh, in grappling as well. All right. In the flyweight division, I'm going to butcher this one so bad. It is to gear Ulan Bikov and Nate Manis, um, Tamir is the minus 200 favorite, plus 162 for Nate Manis. Man, um, I know um, Tagir um, lost his last fight against Tim Elliott, and I think he lost that one because, you know, Tim Elliott is a savvy veteran, been around the game. I think the, the experience kind of got to him um, in that fight. Uh, and I think Nate Manis... While he might, uh, he's good. I, I mean, I respect, you know, Nate Manis. He lost his last one against Umar Nurmagomedov, but of course, who's not going to lose to to Umar at this point? Uh, but I think in terms of this matchup, I kind of like um, Tagira just a little bit more uh, than Nate Manis. But I expect this to be a pretty solid fight that could go yeah. either way. I think the odds should be a little bit closer, but uh, I'm going to favor Tagira a little bit more here. I think this is going to be a really fun fight. I'll take Tagir as well, but uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if this is uh, one of the more entertaining fights on the entire fight card. All right, to the heavyweight division, it is heavyweights Josh Parisian and Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman is the minus 122 favorite, plus 105 for Josh Parisian. Yeah, Chase Sherman was uh, he was on a bit of a losing streak, but he won his last one in pretty impressive fashion. Um, Against Jared Vandera. Damn. Against Jerry Vandera, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, I I, uh, I remember this Josh Parisian and uh, Alan Badeau fight. It was the <laughs> sloppy one of the sloppiest fights I've ever seen, and somehow uh, Josh Parisian came out with the victory. Um, these are two guys, who, or um, that fight against Badeau was, was uh, two guys who I just didn't really have a lot of faith in, and you just kind of had to make a pick. Um, so... I think with this one, while heavyweights, anything can happen. And Josh Parisian proved to be tough on that night. I think Chase Sherman is more skilled, and uh, he'll get the victory here. All right. This one is kind of like that Albedo fight where it's it's a coin flip. The odds suggest it's a coin flip. I'll take Parisian on the other side. Um, I, we've, seen a, I, we've seen just inconsistency, I think, from both of these guys across the board. So give me Josh Parisian on the, on the flip side of that one. All right, in the co-main event, uh, this is a really fun fight as well. In the welterweight division, it is Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez. Magny is the minus 120 favorite, but not far behind. Daniel Rodriguez is also minus 103. Yeah, man, I think um, Neil Magny's made a career out of winning fights like this. Um Whenever you kind of count him out, whenever you think he's done, you know, he always uh, bounces back, you know, um, 
he fought Shafkat, a guy that not many people want to fight. Um, I thought that he was going to, you know, have a little bit more of a um, of a better performance against Shafkat, but Shafkat proved that he's he's for real. But that doesn't take away anything away from Neil Magny, who's been doing this a long time. I think in, in a fight with D-Rod, I think uh, D-Rod's clearly going to have the striking advantage. Um, Neil Magny's tall, long, awkward. Um, I expect Neil Magny, Neil Magny to try to take this fight to the ground. Um, I think he'll need to because D-Rod is so so good on the feet. Um, I expect this to be a pretty close fight. Um I'll go with uh, give me give me a close decision win for uh, Neil Magny, man. I think that uh, you know, until I see him lose multiple fights in a row, <laughs> uh, this one uh, this is a fight that I've seen him win many many times. So uh, give me Neil Magny. Yeah, um, Neil Magny is one of those guys that probably has never received enough credit for how good he is and I think the best example of how good he is is that I mean outside of Shavkat nobody looks good against this guy right like even when he loses like nobody looks good against this guy like he brings you down to a level where you're just gonna have to like gut it out and uh that I think is very frustrating and that plays in his favor with a lot of guys like they're just not able to get their game going and I, I think a big part of what he does is frustrate the hell out of an opponent. Um, I, I feel like Daniel Rodriguez is the kind of guy that wouldn't necessarily get as frustrated as most guys in that scenario. Um, but again, I, I don't think this is going to be an easy fight for Daniel Rodriguez to look good in either. Um, I also don't think Daniel Rodriguez is very easy to get to the ground. Uh, and I'm curious what the clinch situations look like in this fight, but give me Daniel Rodriguez by decision. I think this is going to be a really good one. And, uh, I think very intriguing just in terms of the stylistic matchup, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Daniel Rodriguez could easily uh, strike his way to an easy decision win. We could see that. He could stuff all the takedowns and keep this on the feet. But, you know, Neil Magny, some, somehow, some way, he's always able to steal rounds <laughs> uh, with his grappling or doing something awkward. Like, he knows how to win these three-round fights. Uh, he's been doing it for so long. Um so I can see this fight playing out in, in many different ways, but um, until you know Neil Magny falls off that pedestal, you know, I mean yeah. Shavkat did a good job, but you know we'll see what what D Rod can do. Maybe D Rod's that guy, uh, but maybe he's not. So we'll see. D Rod beat um, Lee's Young Leong at a catch weight, but he took Lee's welterweight ranking, which is a we need to have that conversation at some point. How do you win a catch oh, weight God. fight and then like? take the other guy's welterweight rank. Like that makes zero sense to me, but that's, that's an, another conversation for another day. Um, but a lot of people felt like in that fight, Lee actually won the fight. A lot of people felt like the judges yeah. didn't score that one. Right. I think we were both on the Lee side of the scoring as well. And for Daniel Rodriguez efforts, they were like, okay, well you got the ranking. You're now in the top 15 of the welterweight division. We're going to give you stylistically the guy that just frustrates the hell out of everybody. The guy that you're, this is like a prove it almost, right? Like, you can beat Neil Magny, then you prove you deserve to be here. But nobody wants to fight this guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is not fun to fight. It, Lee definitely put it on him, and it, this it was a fight that Daniel Rodriguez had a ten pound uh, weight advantage. There's no telling how big the weight advantage was on fight day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he took Lee's ranking, and now he's fighting up in the rankings against Neil Magny. A very frustrating matchup, like you said. Uh, but if I'm Daniel Rodriguez, like. This is the the opportunity that I'm looking for. Um, 
because if you beat Neil Magny, a guy who's got who's up in the top like two uh, or three in terms of welterweight wins, um, you're 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 going to be on the cusp of being in title contention with a win like that. So um, this is a yeah, it's a frustrating fight, but um, the the rewards if you win are so great that I mean, even though you might be like, damn, I got to fight Neil Magny. I mean, yeah. if you win, uh, a lot is going to be going for you after that. All right, let's move on to the main event, and this is a really fun matchup. This is a great fight. I'm shocked they made this fight, but I absolutely love the matchup, and I love what potentially we're going to watch over the course of five rounds on Saturday evening. In the female strawweight division, we have Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos. Marina Rodriguez is the minus 210 favorite, plus 170 for Lemos. You know, yeah, I'm surprised that they made it, but um, I'm kind of not surprised at the same time because I feel like the UFC's really, they feel like they've got something with Amanda Lemos. Um, she's, she reminds me of Davison Figueredo. Um, her stance, her power, like her explosiveness, it, it's its just like Davison. Um, but like she was in the main event against a former champion in Jessica Andrade. I think they thought that she was going to win that and then they were going to put her right into title contention. She loses that, but then she gets put into a big-time fight on ABC against Michelle Watterson, who is a big-time fan favorite, Beat finishes her, and now is getting this fight against Marina Rodriguez. Um, yeah, I think the UFC likes Amanda Lemos for sure, but uh, this is a tough matchup against Marina Rodriguez. I think the first couple of rounds are going to be tough for Marina. I think Amanda, those are her – the early rounds, of course, are her most explosive rounds – and I think if you if you take her into the into the late stages of the fight, I think that's when Marina can shine. But uh, I think early on, Marina's going to definitely have to be careful. Um, but we've seen Marina have success in a stand-up fight before. I mean, she beat uh, Hebas, knocked her out. Um, th- this is a fight where I don't really think she may have to worry too much about the takedown. I think at first we'll see a, a, a striking match. And maybe if Marina's speed kind of takes over, maybe we'll see Limos try to take the fight to the ground. Um, but I think early on we'll, we'll see some very, very high level striking between these two women. Uh, man, I, I mean, I like Lemos. I really do. Um, I think she's got potential and obviously the UFC does too, but, uh, we've seen Marina in these spots. We've seen her against strikers like Yan Xiaonan. Um, I think that she's had enough five round experience to where, um, that'll work into her favor in a matchup like this. And uh, I think Marina will win. Uh, will win this one. Yeah, this is uh, man. This fight is so much fun. I mean, this is I think stylistically will as fun a match as you can make in all of the women's divisions of the UFC. Like that's how good For this sure. stylistic Agreed. matchup is. Um, both women are thirty-five years old. I believe both have a sixty-five-inch reach, so there's no reach advantage at all. Um, I think that Marina is actually an inch taller uh, than than Lemos, but again, same reach. Um, Marina is definitely, I think, I feel like the the one that looks like she's more experienced, more polished uh, than Amanda Lemos. But Amanda Lemos, I think, physically is the more gifted fighter in terms of, like you said, just the explosiveness, athletic ability, uh, the God given athletic traits that she has. Um, I I think that. She's going to try to land big shots early, and if this gets into, like, rounds three, four, and five, I think that's when she might try and, and 
take Marina down because if she's if if they're still fighting by that point, I feel like Limosh power is probably gone. And I feel like, based on what I've seen to this point, I feel like Marina is so far past her in the the technically sound striking aspect of this. One thousand um, percent. That I I think that Marina probably just is careful early and probably cruises down the stretch. I think on on the scorecards, not saying the fight will be. Um, a, a landslide but I think like from a scoring standpoint she might fall behind early but I think she might have some pretty decisive wins in terms of the rounds and how easy it might be to score them um down the stretch so give me Marina Rodriguez as your main event champion yeah absolutely I think that um like word for word uh, like you said Amanda Lemos is going to look good early but I think there's going to be a point in the fight where everything just kind of slows down. And I think it's going to be noticeable. I think the broadcast is going to notice it. You and I are going yeah. to notice it. Maybe end of the second, start of the third, midway through the third, you'll see Amanda Lemos um, slow down. I mean, we saw it against uh, Angela Hill. She looked really good early. And then like after the flurry that she had, maybe at the end of the first round, maybe it was the end of the second round. But after that, I mean, it was just seemed like everything was just kind of shut off. And like she was just kind of there. And Angela Hill was able to land combinations, get her down. So... I expect a, a, a fight similar to that, but Marina Rodriguez is so much better than anyone Amanda Lemos just fought on the feet. Uh, I do think early on she'll have to watch for the leg kicks. I think yep. Lemos will be leg kick heavy, but she throws everything with so much force, like that. You know, like you said, by the second or third round, we'll see that momentum shift and we'll see uh, Lemos slow down, and that's where Marina's yep. experience will shine through. So. Yeah, I'm with you there. Experience and just how she's so good technically, right? She's just so sharp that uh, yeah. you get somebody that's a little bit tired and then that kind of gap, I think, and just the exchanges, I think uh, I think she's going to look really good down the stretch of this fight. But should be a fun one. I think it's going to be stylistically entertaining. And uh, like I said, I think this is as good matchmaking as you can make in all of the women's divisions of the UFC. All right, man. Fun fight card. And next week, it is UFC 281. I cannot wait for this card. I got to tell you, man, I feel like I'm a little bit more geeked for 281 than I was for 280 by a slim margin. But I mean, this Izzy Pajeda match, as it's drawing near, man, goodness, Poirier Chandler. This card is loaded, man. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm I'm having to to just calm my excitement. And after this card is over on Saturday, then I'll I'll fully cannonball in. But yeah, this this card is awesome. We'll talk about it all next week. Um, Israel Adesanya, maybe the biggest threat, or no, not maybe, by far the biggest threat he's had oh. to his <laughs> middleweight title run uh, since he became the champ. And uh, and there's no way that Poirier Chandler is going to be a stinker by any means. So should be a fun fight card. Will, always fun, my friend. Have a great weekend. Um, have a great fight day. And we will talk next week. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Podcast is over.